Hey everyone, it's Pacific, and welcome back to another episode of SCP Archives. Just a few quick things to talk about. First, with our Season 5 premiere last week, we launched through the charts, um, becoming top 5 in numerous countries like Sweden, Germany, Australia, the UK, uh, and of course the US here at home. So I just want to say thanks for tuning in and checking out the show. And if you love the show and you want to support us and help us do what we do, consider telling a friend or leaving a review. Word of mouth is one of the best ways to get our show into the ears of new listeners. On that note, I also want to tell you guys about a podcast that I am in love with. Morning Cup of Murder. Have you ever wondered what murder took place on today's date in true crime history? Well, look no further than Morning Cup of Murder. Every day, your host, Karina, takes you through the abductions, serial killers, crimes of passions, cults, and more in this day in history. Episodes are short, averaging about 10 minutes each, and it's a great way to start your day off with a little bit of true crime. You can find Morning Cup of Murder wherever you listen to podcasts, like Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and everywhere else. And if you tune in and check them out, let them know we said hi. And now, this week's episode. Warning. The Foundation database is classified. Unauthorized access will result in detainment. Within this archive, you'll find the procedures, descriptions, and accounts of the most notorious anomalies we've encountered to date. Secure. Contain. Protect. Item, item number. Object, Object class. Not found. Item number. SCP-2718. Object class. Not found. Special containment procedures. SCP-2718 is a Damarung-class cognito hazard. All personnel, regardless of clearance, are forbidden to expose themselves to the description of this article under any circumstances. Do not tamper with this warning without Damarung clearance. Do not discuss the existence of this article with any persons. No disciplinary action will be necessary, providing you close this file now and clear your browser cache. Atypical software measures have been used to mitigate the risk of accidental exposure. It is only by an unfortunate coincidence of extremely low probability that you have stumbled across this entry at all. No disciplinary action will be necessary, provided you close this file now and clear your browser cache. Since creation, only the Special Containment Procedures section of this record has ever been editable. Due to the clearance of the file's original author and anomalous database limitations in effect, this record can neither be deleted nor effectively redacted. Access restrictions cannot be applied to the data in any reliable way. Of course, access restrictions can still be enforced. It is now too late to close this article. Do not discuss the existence of this article with any persons. Notify the help desk that your workstation has a Damarung contamination. Shut off your listening device and seek immediate amnestic treatment. The following conditions shall constitute a breach. 
Exposure to any part of the description, however briefly, or failure to close this article within 18 seconds of exposure without code word clearance. Please shut off your listening devices now. Notify the breach desk that you and your devices have Dameron contamination. Await MTF processing. Agent instructions. The breach to which you are responding has already been mostly contained by an automated system. The containment will be complete when you restart this terminal. However, your orders are to attempt to improve the current containment procedures by any means possible within the time allotted to you. You've been temporarily granted administrative network access from this terminal. Use any resources you deem necessary to fulfill your mission, but do not expose yourself to the cognito hazard in the description. The following technical details will help you out in your task. As noted above, this article ignores the delete command. It cannot be extricated from the database without extensive collateral corruption of other critical systems. Instead, the containment strategy is to minimize the probability of user discovering this entry by chance. To this end, an unhaltable mainframe process, ID 900013, repeatedly switches the ordinal designation of this article with that of another randomly selected entry. Normally, when two article numbers are exchanged for administrative purposes, the two entries disappear from the index momentarily. A kernel exploit of processor Aritem 23 allows us to delay the completion of the subroutine by deeply recursing the article renumeration with an intentionally terrible algorithm against a known corruption stack in the extended memory until the thread aborts catastrophically, the index swap completes, and the process restarts. This artificially inserts a delay on the order of 1017 clock cycles between visibility. This artificially inserts a delay on the order of 1017 clock cycles between visibility. When a link to this article becomes momentarily visible and accessible from the article index before the process restarts. Breach will only occur in the unlikely event that a user with index privileges loads the main list at precisely the correct moment and, despite need-to-know best practices, follows the link to this entry, ignores the warnings, and reads past the first paragraph. The intervals between visibility are indeterminate but finite. On average, the interval will grow larger as the number of available articles grows, but shorter as the mainframe's hot-swappable processors increase in flops. This clutch has a gravely serious side effect. The SCP article randomly selected for swap also disappears from the list for the same period of time until reappearing under a new ID. While O5 has authorized this detrimental effect as an acceptable consequence of containment, you are ordered not to verify it through the chain of command, as no other living person is currently aware that this article, this process, or this authorization exists. If validation is required, an inline O5 authorization of this order follows. You are subject to summary termination by Trinity Class Medic if you proceed past this point. Recording begins. Unknown date, unknown author. There you go, ma'am. This interpreter is new technology, but it will allow you to forego the use of a keyboard for article creation. Just speak naturally into the microphone. We can go back and revise any errors after you've finished. I don't think so, young man. There won't be time. This must also be a permanent record, access restricted to all threes and up. Can you prevent anyone from tampering with this entry later? Um, 
Anyone, ma'am? Anyone and everyone, you understand me. If there is ever but one article left in the database, this had better be it. Well, I'm not senior enough to select the most appropriate technique to accomplish that. Maybe if we got Ross involved... I want you to make an executive decision. I'm confident in your ability. We cannot delay. Okay. Okay. Um, there is a mechanism I could take advantage of. It's actually designed to protect against anomalous data corruption, but it would have the effect you're looking for. If you're certain, ma'am, I could make this section of the article right once and splice it into the database runtime. However, that means no editing whatsoever will be possible. If you misspeak, you'll just have to clarify and keep going. Very well. Do so. Fortunately, I am a world-class dictator. For the degree of security you have in mind, ma'am, I'll need to borrow your credential token. Thank you. One moment, please. There. It's done. You've been very helpful. That will be all. For your own safety, I am ordering you to obtain amnestic treatment as soon as possible. Oh. Enough to forget this entire morning. Uh, all right. Good. You will likely be subjected to enhanced interrogation within a day or two. It will go easier for you if you have no memory of this. Oh. Oh, boy. As a literal token of my gratitude for your loyalty, why don't you hold on to those credentials? I won't be needing them. If you act quickly, I suspect you can think of a way to put them to good use before they are revoked and you are detained. Yeah. Yes, ma'am. Now go. I foresee that you will have a fine career ahead of you. We will not speak again. My name is Shelby Kessig. I have been 057 for 77 years. I will remain so for perhaps seven minutes more, and that is not enough time to devise adequate special containment procedures myself. I leave that to you. Over the course of my tenure, I have witnessed 19 distinct anomalous methods to restore life. The devices and entities responsible take vastly different forms, but when you look past the science, the magic, the razzle-dazzle, there are fundamentally two broad but simple categories. The first type is replication, whereby a clone, simulacrum, or other copy is made of the subject's mind and body as it existed at some point during life. The second sort is temporal. With this approach, the space-time paths of the subject's constituent particles are reversed, and the events literally undone, until the subject is restored to a functional state. These two categories have a crucial commonality. The restored individual has no memory or experience of death. To put it another way, despite 2.4 million years of hominid speculation, Foundation records contain no reliable first-hand testimony regarding what happens to us after we die. We have other sources of information, naturally. But in light of recent events, I believe that the SCP we have interrogated on this topic over the years are guilty of either ignorance or deceit. For you see, we invented an exception. Six months ago... We resurrected Thomas Martin, formerly 0511, with a novel procedure. 
The theoretical groundwork has existed for some time, but for a litany of reasons, the complexity of the process, the technical skill required, the systemic risks, not to mention the enormous cost, only direst need justified the attempt. At 73, Roger was the youngest overseer when he died. He had two habits that were peculiar for an O5, only marginally tolerated by the rest of us at the time and now forbidden. The first was an obstinate refusal to fortify, as we call it, to enhance his longevity with the supplements available to those of our station. The second was a penchant for taking his holidays unannounced and in utter solitude. When a stroke ended him 18 years ago, he was perched on a rocky promontory above marine iguana nesting grounds on Espanola Island. It took 14 years to find his remains. We would not have gone on looking for so long, but for two reasons. He kept on his person a certain key, of which I shall not say more, except that it could not be allowed to stay lost, and that he held in his brain a secret word, without which we could not replace him. The alternating Galapagos rains and bright sun, and perhaps hawks, had reduced him to a moldering ruin of bone fragments and only the stubbornness in you. The recovery crew used brooms and backs to collect as much of him as remained. The artifact was retrieved to our relief, but we were still faced with the daunting task of extracting his shibboleth. With so little original material to work with, none of the time-tested methods of recovery were feasible. It distresses me to say so, but it is unlikely that any records of our methodology will survive the impending purge. Suffice to say that having gathered his diaspora, we set out to reconstruct a quantum approximation of him. Physically, chemically, electrically, with sufficient accuracy that his heart would resume its beat, his synapses would fire, and his mouth would move, if briefly. As we required but one iota of information from him, we hoped, at best, that he would survive long enough to provide it, and then simply expire again. However, as is so often the case, we outdid ourselves. All the king's horses and all the king's men could indeed put him back together again. Roger was perfectly reanimated. He emerged from his cocoon, looking a bit younger and healthier than my last memories of him. He sobbed uncontrollably for some time, unresponsive to any stimulus, yet after about half an hour he relaxed. His expression suddenly turned to utter serenity, and he spoke two unintelligible but clearly joyous words. He was swiftly interrogated, but he responded to our questioning with candor, enthusiasm, and an unmistakable relief. We kept him under quarantine in a containment unit for 30 days. He offered no objection and cooperated completely. He behaved as any of us might under the circumstances, and in the end, after some light debate, we unanimously restored him to office. We were the ones who remade him, after all. And wouldn't each of us expect the same? He rewarded our hubris by resuming his duties with an inspired vigor, consistently displaying deeper insight and wisdom than ever before. In particular, we welcomed some of the changes to his habits. As soon as the rest of us allowed it, he began regular fortification treatments for the first time, 
He appointed a sensible entourage of medical staff and bodyguards that were never far from his person. Previously, empathy for his fellow man had never been his strong suit, yet suddenly he displayed renewed interest in the safety of our containment protocols, the healthcare benefits of Foundation employees, and a profound distaste for the sacrifice of D-Class. Under the circumstances, none of this struck us as particularly alarming behavior, but it should have. He had concealed the crux of it from us all, you see. At first, naturally, in our initial interrogation, we'd asked him if he'd had any experience or memory of the afterlife. He claimed to recall nothing, exactly as everyone always does, and defeated our polygraphs completely. He approached me first, about two months ago. He asked if, in his absence, we'd obtained any pieces, which I shouldn't have to point out is not our term of art, capable of sustaining life indefinitely. While breathtaking longevity is now within our power, it may surprise you to learn that immortality is not, and our best theoricians have recently posited that it will never be attainable. The resurrection we can accomplish, even his, cannot be repeated more than once or twice. Sapient life is necessarily intertwined with quantum uncertainty. Localize a particle with perfect precision and it attains infinitely uncertain momentum, lost in an instant. Just so, the longer and the more tightly a consciousness is bound to a specific vessel, the more likely it will scatter irretrievably on its own. Regardless of science, magic, or razzle-dazzle, you, your children, and your great-great-grandchildren will one day most assuredly die and stay dead. His disappointment at this theorem was palpable, and I experienced a moment of discomfort at his reaction. Not a week later, O52 received word of a severe breach of protocol. Roger, or rather O511, had initiated direct contact with an ape in containment. For you L3s, ape skips are apex-tier pluripotent entities. I imagine you can work out the euphemism. We kept our initial investigation off the books. He'd been clever in covering his tracks. There was no breach alarm. No record of the encounter in any log. But one of the skip's guards failed a random amnestic test, to his dismay. And that was trail enough on which to set our bloodhounds. We couldn't prove it. But we imagined he risked exposure to the skip to offer some kind of deal. This could not stand. As two of his oldest comrades, today O52 and I confronted him privately. But he caught us off guard, for he confessed everything, and begged us for help. I surreptitiously recorded his pleas as a precaution. It is easiest if I simply replay it for you now. Hey guys, it's Pacific here with a quick reminder. Ad-free and bonus episodes are available at our Patreon at patreon.com slash scp underscore pod. 
For just $5 a month, you can get access to ad-free bonus episodes, merchandise, and so much more. And now, back to the show. I dared not speak of this at first. You'd never have let me out of containment. The truth is, I was aware of all of it. I suppose there was a sweet oblivion, like deep sleep at first. But in retrospect, I think it was no more than a day. Slowly but unmistakably, I reoccupied my course with dreamlike consciousness, numb for the first merciful hours, blind, deaf, and immobile. But then I seemed to reconnect to every nerve, and became aware of every sensation, more so than I ever was in life. I perceived myself trapped within an immovable object, and the intensity of the struggle amplified, subtle, then acute, then racking. I cannot describe it completely, but imagine holding your breath beyond urge, beyond pain, beyond desperation, head throbbing and eyes bulging, a dream of suffocation without end. My skin blistered and split in the sunlight, biting insects descended rapidly, I felt eggs hatch, larvae crawl, gases build and burst within me, individual cells rupturing, interstitial fluid souring and blackening. Somehow, my capacity to experience and store these sensations grew, even as I was keenly aware of my cerebrum being scattered and devoured, my perception expanded into the gizzards of birds and the depths of fire ant dens. I was aware of every fingernail and strand of hair that pulled away in the wind, and my sensation clung to them as they settled in the ocean and dissolved in the maws of a trillion diatoms. I don't understand it. The more bits of me there were, the larger my capacity for the perception of pain. As I decayed into pieces smaller than living nerves could possibly distinguish, the character of the discomfort changed. From burning and aching and breaking I might relate to you in human terms, to something worse that I cannot fully articulate, a terrible, maddening stretch of every part of myself from every other part. Humans often numb to chronic pains in life, do they not? Yet every year, every month, every second that passed, I swear it only intensified over time. In my previous life, I ruminated on heaven and hell and the likelihood of my experiencing one, the other, or something in between. As terrible as I imagined the torpor of heaven or the torments of hell to be, this was entirely different from either. In hell, at least, there would surely be a tormentor, some memory of my deeds, some sense of justice, even if my soul rejected its logic. I can imagine some comfort in hell for a mind such as mine. I do not think this is a punishment. I do not think it is caused. I deeply suspect it is simply our condition, our nature to go on this way, do you see? In all that time, 
I was certainly, absolutely, totally alone. And before long, all memory of life had shriveled to a cinder, lost beneath my interminable anguish. Alive again. I suspect I cannot recall the worst of it, as if my living brain is too small for the experience. As overseers, we witness, inflict, or endure great suffering. Yet what awaits us all is worse. The way an earache is worse than a bee sting. The way frostbite is worse than a burn. I was dead for 18 years, and my misery eludes description. Dare we try to fathom the collective agony of legions of ancient dead? Believe this, I will not return to that excruciable existence. Not a hundred years from now, not ever. Yes, I approached Armin for help. I am sure he could extend us all if he wished. I offered him great concessions from the Foundation, even, perhaps, release. But he laughed and refused. Yet, I... I can think of others willing to trade on a smaller scale, though the price may be nearly as... No, nothing compares. Anything is better, so long as it is forever. Do you believe me? Will you join me and together escape this fate? Please. We were dumbfounded. And suddenly sympathetic, and an instant later, fearful. I can't remember the last time I felt my heart race so. But we do not operate in a vacuum. A revelation of this magnitude must be brought before the Council for consideration. He was loath to admit his deception before the assembled Council, but he was clearly desperate for action as well. We prevailed upon him to call an immediate emergency session and teleconference. I knew anything less would constitute treachery. Still, as the three of us hurried to Conference Room Alpha, I suddenly found myself harboring subtle thoughts of... <clears throat> And so, he gave his testimony again, nearly as frank and purply prosaic as before, but the debate that unfolded in the wake of it? I have never witnessed anything like it. There were mostly skeptical voices at first, calm, concerned, and thoughtful. However, 058, whose face had grown increasingly pale as she listened to him, was suddenly a passionate advocate for action. We must declare human death a Keter SCP, she demanded, and contain it at any cost. That absurdity garnered an uproar, of course, but, but Roger had himself a sure ally now, and this spurred him on, shouting over the others to add even darker details of the intensity of his perennial excruciation. Imagery I cannot repeat. Sensations I must not contemplate. I'm feeling lightheaded. O52, always a moderate influence, suggested we recess and collect ourselves. But then, three suddenly moved that we order the immediate systematic termination of dangerous skips to better protect ourselves and others. O56 seconded. 
But before it could be put to a vote, Thirteen suddenly clutched his chest in paroxysmal panic and was being evaluated by his medical technician when his feed abruptly cut out. As the fracas came to a boil, it was Ten, I think, who was next convinced. Oh, his belief the key, I... I... It... Doesn't matter. <laughs> At any rate... Ten started pounding his shoe on the table and hollering, We must dig a channel from the Astrakhan Spring to the Mediterranean Sea to fortify all of mankind. That was enough. Suddenly, 051 muted us all and stood, red-faced and shaking. Regardless of the truth of 0511's experience, she said, It is plain that we have lost all reason. There is only one possible explanation for this. Therefore, I am declaring emergency protocol 17. Remain where you are. We shall all be administered class A amnestics. Except you, Roger. We made a grave error releasing you from containment, and it will be corrected. She pointed at her administrative assistant to act. But before he could lock down the conference room from which two, eleven, and I were dialed in... Roger had already bolted out the door. I was after him in an instant, and nearly crushed by the bulkhead as it slammed into place. I only wanted to stop him, I think. And now I was outside the safe room, too. But he was already out of sight. Superlative idiot! They couldn't see me, couldn't hear me. They couldn't know that I wanted back in. How badly I wanted to breathe the red gas that was surely already streaming into the room on the other side. One instant of poor judgment and my fate is sealed. What was left to do? I ran to the help desk. <laughs> help enough, eh? For this, my final act. I loved the Foundation as I would have loved a daughter. I do this for the security and protection of mankind, and so I beg of you, this gnosis must not be erased, forgotten. That is not containment, that is madness. Bring us back. Get us out. I'm so frightened. What's wrong with me? I... Claire? 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 God damn this job. Bag that Oscar quickly, Sergeant. We still have one to go. What now? Specialist, talk to me. Sir, I'm getting a report of a keter breach in the AR2 compound. Ah, oh, shit. Two rogue Oscars and the old man is loose. This is a shit sandwich. Negative, sir. SCP-106 didn't escape. He, um... Sorry, one moment. I'm still getting the details. Sorry, say again? Sir, it's the other way around. The Oscars went into 106's containment. The hell he did! We have visual confirmation. Procedure dictates that we treat him as- KIA! I know. Let's clean this up then. It looks like the recording equipment's still running. Oh, for the love of God! Shut it down! Shut it down now!
Tonight's episode was possible thanks to our patrons. Joining us this week was JD, Cryz, Eric, Jacob Carmona, Emerald Steiglitz the Entomancer, Tato, and Rilo. Thanks guys, your support means the world and it helps us do what we do. This episode also featured the name of two of our patrons, Shelby Kessig as 057 and Thomas Martin as 0511. Thanks for supporting the show uh, and getting murdered in terrifying new ways. Um, if you're interested in hearing your name in the show and being a character or a corpse, consider supporting us at patreon.com slash scp underscore pod. SCP-2718 was written by Michael Atreus. Tonight's narrator was me, Pacific S. Obadiah. Technician was Eric Kemp. 057 was Alyssa Park. 0511 was Brandon Wynn. Kingslayer was Alvin Bowling II. Our sound designer was Travis McMaster, and our music was done by Matt Roy Berger. Our iconic theme song was done by the incredible Tom Rory Parsons, and I'm your showrunner, Pacific S. Obadiah. Our producers are Tom Owen and Brad Miska. And this is a bloody disgusting show. For more information, visit scparchives.com.